Welcome to the Adoption Today podcast. I'm Carrie Wilds. I'm Karen Lear. We do real talk on adoption and this journey called parenting. Welcome to episode 15 of Adoption Today. And I am really, really excited that we have our guests, Vicki and Jed Toffer, on to talk about their adoption stories. They actually have two international adoptions and both separately and as a couple, super talented in business, photography, and actually professional conversationalists as well. So thank you guys for joining us. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Yeah, definitely. And I think, I think first we should talk about where you guys live. We live in the middle of a bunch of cornfields in central (laughs) Illinois. (laughs) What? Which we just moved back here. This is hometown. We just moved back here seven months ago, but then we lived the previous five years in Minneapolis, and then the years before that in this town, in Morton, Illinois. Okay, cool. But what do you actually live in? Oh. <laughs> an, an old bowling alley. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yes. Do. I think that is, like, awesome. So you have to tell us, like, why that is the case. Well, my whole life, I I thought, hopefully by the time I'm in my 40s, I'll get to live in our old Morton bowling alley. No, no, no. (laughs) We wouldn't have been together. I I don't think we would have made it had you started dating me and told me that. I didn't didn't pitch that. Our studio is here and we moved back and essentially we don't need 7,000 square feet for a studio anymore. So we, we got a mixed use permit from the village and yep it's a village that we live in and they allowed us to now move in so half of our space is our studio um, half of our space is our home and we actually have a little space that we rent out too well and and to like give people a clear picture this hasn't been a bowling alley for many actually rented or owned this building for 20 years 20 years almost so it's been redone um multiple times um it's actually pretty cool the kids love it i didn't know what they were going to think about it but it's very unconventional their friends love it they rollerblade around the house slash studio i mean it's it's very open and unusual wow i love it i'm intrigued yeah that sounds really cool (laughs) i wish we would have kept a bowling lane (laughs) i was gonna ask you i was gonna ask people always ask yeah yeah no Uh -uh. oh my gosh that's awesome so tell us a little bit about like how long, so you guys have been together a long time. Um, how long have y'all been married? 20 years. Wow. Is that this year, 20 years? Yeah, last December was 20 years. So actually, oh, I'm more yeah. <clears throat> Oh my gosh, congratulations. Thank that you. is Thanks. amazing, amazing. And tell us a little bit about your current family. And then I want to get into like how you guys even decided to adopt and, you know, all of that. Uh, yeah, we have um, two kids. Um, our oldest, uh, Nima, is nine, and we adopted her from Nepal when she was one and a half. And then our um, son, Kaywin, we adopted him from Thailand. He is five and a half, um, and we adopted him three years ago when he was two and a half. Okay. Ah, okay. And did what grades did they just start school? Or are they yeah. have they started school yet? Uh, yep, just started school last week. Um, so this is new for us. It's the first time um, in many years that I don't have kids around during the day. Yeah. Kaywin Kaywin started full day kindergarten, and Nima's in third grade. 
it's like freedom, right? Yeah, it's well, but now that we're back living in our own business and studio, it's kind of a lot of work. Like, yeah. I mean, it, it gets harder to shut down the work mindset. I have that extra time, which is good. It's it's actually been a lot of fun to kind of reinvent our studio being home. Oh, that's very cool. I'm sure, definitely. And what what um, types of what type of photography are you guys doing um, currently? Um. You know, I mean, it's, I feel like I've always done a lot of children and family photography, high school seniors, but um, I would say I do a little more um, commercial and product type photography than what I used to, Mm -hmm. Um, but still my pets, I mean, you know, a little bit of everything, Mm -hmm. but still mostly with the kids. I mean, it is still part-time, but um, (laughs) still with the kids. Yep. Yeah, definitely. And, and Jed actually has a podcast called this conversation with white house custom color. And that was the first podcast that I was ever on that kind of got me addicted to podcasts. <laughs> yep. That's correct. I've been working uh, for white house since 2009 full time, but not okay. as a podcaster. Not that's as right. no, the been podcast has been, it started last November. I've been doing it for about a year. Oh yeah. And it's so much fun. So we know each other from the photography world. Right. And then we just kind of connected because we both, um, you know, had gotten in the whole adoption world as well. So mm-hmm. tell us, like, I'm curious how you guys decided to have a family through adoption and then, you know, do international adoptions. Um, you know, I would say that actually goes back to when we were still dating. So pretty young. It goes back to September of 1994. We we were on a missions trip um, in Jamaica um, with Jed's church. And honestly, from that trip, it just opened up a door of conversation with both of us that we said, Hey, I mean, we weren't even married and we're like, Hey, you know, if, and when we get married, we both were on board with wanting to adopt um, some children, regardless if we like biologically had kids or not. Um, it was just on our radar from you know, 25 years ago or 24 years ago that we always knew we wanted to adopt. And then once we got married, um, we had a different baby, our studio <laughs> that we started. <laughs> and so I would have said, you know, I would have thought if you asked, you know, the Vicky of 25 years ago, I probably would have started, you know, a family a lot younger but then the studio kind of became our baby for 10 plus years. And then in our thirties, you know, we started talking family and when, um, you know, it wasn't happening, happening naturally, it was just super natural transition. Like, all right, let's adopt. You know, we kind of thought we'd maybe biologically have kids and then, and then do adoption, but we just thought, well, let's just adopt it. And if we have kids another way too, great. Um, but so thankful that we both were really on board from a long time ago and it was on our heart to do that. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's one of the things that's, that's most important is being on the same page with, you know, kind of the direction you want to go. And I think sometimes it takes a lot longer for couples to be on the same page, but yeah, but by far that's the best, you know, is when you can both move forward. I know like for my husband and I, like I've always wanted to adopt and it took him a lot longer you know, to get on the same page. And then when we did, it was like, yep, we're going to do this and let's move forward. And, you know, it, it, from that point on, you know, you're a team like working together. So I think, I think that part is take some time for people sometimes, but I think it's a really key like factor in, you know, working as a team to make that happen. Oh, agreed. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And then how Um, did you guys pick the countries that you ended up? Where did you, how did you kind (laughs) of get to that point? (laughs) 
Well, we tried. We looked into a few different countries. We had, we had been to the Philippines, so we were we had a heart for the Philippines. We spent some time there. We've um, been in Asia quite a bit, actually, in yeah. general. So mm-hmm. I think we naturally just kind of felt um, maybe a little bit of a draw. But um, well, Vicky went to Guatemala with one of her friends that it was adopting from Guatemala, and we found out that Guatemala was shut down because we mm-hmm. considered that too. Um, but while she was there. You spoke to I, I, there. I met a woman there who had just gotten back from Nepal and that just kind of, I would, I didn't even realize that was a program, honestly. And, and so then I started looking into it and we didn't know where Nepal was. <laughs> and then I contacted, <laughs> you know, I contacted Judd actually, I think from down in Guatemala. Yeah. And I just was like, I, I just feel like really strongly. This is where we're supposed to start our process. And so um, the- that, that was hard for us. Cause I mean, it wasn't like, I mean, we just, we wanted to adopt. Our heart was in adoption. It wasn't really like adopting from this country or this country. And mm-hmm. so it was, you have to pick, you know, because every country is so different and what their requirements are. And I didn't realize any of that. We were pretty green in the process. So oh, yeah. um, that took us a while to figure out. And then once that happened and we knew, you know what, Nepal, you know, then it was just like nonstop filling out paperwork focused and in on Nepal let's and... get this done, you know, and, and do all the work we need to do to make this happen. Yeah. It's it's definitely challenging with how different each of the country's roles and things are. So once you once you had kind of narrowed in on that, did you use the, the agency that you had connections with a friend nope. from, or how did you figure no, out? No, like, there was use? only well, Nepal was such a small program anyway. There honestly was only um, a few a few um, agency, you know, a handful of agencies that were doing adoptions there anyway. So um, it it made it pretty straightforward. We actually, it got switched. We started with one and then there oh, was some change. Yeah. I forgot that too. There were some changes in the programming and like limiting each agency to how many adoptions they would allow. Right. And so they actually are the ones that ended up connecting us with the agency we adopted through, which was hope's promise out of Colorado, who they were just phenomenal. Um, yeah, they were uh, yeah, a small Christian adoption um, agency, and they were phenomenal to work with. So it's kind of amazing how it all worked out, but really thankful for that. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's, you know, like it's once you find an agency that you feel comfortable with and you can move forward, I think that's, you know, a huge, huge factor in even being able to start the process. Mm-hmm. Um, so how did it go with, like, what did you have to do once you did the paperwork and things like that? How did it work with with Nepal and getting matched and all that kind of stuff. We didn't for a while. It, we, we actually got to the point where we had heard there was some unrest. Um, I think a, a good way to describe Nepal um, somewhat diplomatically is that it's, it, it can be unstable there mm-hmm. um, politically and economically. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a very poor country. Um, well, it's they, one of the top five. I think it's number five, like underdeveloped countries in the world. So just, you know, a lot of um, unrest, un- unrest, disorganization, just because of, of the country, you know, and, and where they're um, where they're at. So it just made for a lot of ups and downs. And, you know, we'd question, like, is this really going to happen? We get our hopes up and then, you know, something would happen that we think, oh, maybe this, you know, isn't going to happen. Maybe we're not going to ever get to adopt from here. And well, after two and a half years, nothing had happened. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Right. Like, and we had, you know, we were under the impression that it might not happen. And it, and at that point we're actually, you know, we're getting older. Our business was going full steam. Um, 
we I, I went I went out and bought a convertible. I'm like, who does that? Like you're gonna <laughs> get a baby. Like but I, I didn't think it was gonna happen. We 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 had kind of become resigned to the fact that it, it might not happen. And we we're sort of I think maybe in our own ways starting to accept that. Mm-hmm. Um and then on June fourteenth, two thousand ten, I woke up and I I got out of the shower. We were in our bathroom. Vicky is getting ready for work. <clears throat> and I was I grabbed a towel and I grabbed this is what happened. I grab a towel and I hear a voice, sort of hear a voice tell me to tell Vicky to get ready. And I stopped and I turned around and I looked at her and I <laughs> I said, I'm supposed to tell you to get ready. I think it has something to do with the adoption. No, I actually said to get ready, and I was annoyed because oh, yeah. I said I am getting ready. I said like, I said I'm supposed, getting ready. I said I'm supposed to tell you to get ready, and she and she said I am getting ready, and I said no, 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 I'm supposed to tell you to get ready. I think it has something to do with the adoption, and I don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> you wow. just had this sense. You I don't. This, yeah. I think. Well, I think it was God. I'll throw that out there. I think that's. I think that's exactly what happened. That he told me that because I heard a voice, but you know it wasn't. A voice like this and I I said that and three days later we got an email and it was our daughter wow oh so then, then how after we thought hey this may it's after two years yeah. um three days it was it was June 17th three days later that same morning like almost the same exact time 72 hours later well and she was that was on the 17th and then you know, we opened the email, we start reading the information about her and her birthday was the next day on the 18th. Her first birthday which, was the next day. Which was also my mom's birthday's on the 18th. So we were able to call my mom and say, we have a birthday present for you. You're going to be grandma. The <laughs> little girl who's so... born on the same day as you. Oh my gosh. That is so awesome. It was wow. awesome. So how did you, how did you guys understand? What did they tell you then about the timeline? Like, okay, here she is. It was quick. It, it was, it was, they had a very quick timeline. It was kind of, it was said, the like next, piece, the next piece is you have, no, you have to wait for your travel mm, approval. But that went pretty quick. So that was um, like five weeks later, we got our travel approval. I mean, we found out in June and we were traveling in Nepal in August. So, I mean, it was pretty August quick. 4th, yeah. we left. Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. So Jed, you know dates really well. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I know dates. <laughs> kind of drives me crazy. <laughs> So yeah. I'm curious, like, when you got that email, like, what did the email say? Like, to say, hey, congrats, here's a picture of your child. Like, how did that go? Like, what did this email say? <laughs> I remember I was at work, and she, I got a phone call. It was like 9 o'clock in the morning. She was still at home, and she said, I think you need to come home right now. And I said, what? You know, because I, 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 I wasn't thinking adoption. Even despite what I had been told three days earlier, I'd already, I'd probably already forgotten about that, honestly. And she said, I, I just got an email and I, I think our child is in this email. I haven't looked at it yet. <laughs> so I, I drove home and I remember I ran in the door. We sat down on the couch and we scrolled down and there she was. There's a picture of her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember it said all this stuff. There's all this information. There's all the basic. And, and then at the, at the very end, somebody had handwritten, she is lovely. Aww. Were you yeah. just like dying to get to her at that point? Like, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I and, was. And we didn't have like, 
there weren't like a lot of photos you know we didn't have like a ton we had one you know, like, 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 yeah. like you just like at that point you're like oh my gosh I need to see more photos I want to see videos I want to see her I want you know you it was just, like a scanned in black yeah, and white you could hardly see dark her. Yeah. grainy contrasty photo of, of, of what looked like a baby yeah yeah oh <laughs> so then so then once so then basically you had to say like did you have to agree to do it? And then I think started... the formality of it, but that was like, I don't yeah. even, I mean, it was just a done deal. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm sure we had to sign stuff and whatever. By that point, I think we were just so shocked that, that it was actually happening after really going, there was probably five or six months where I had resigned to the fact that I wasn't going to be a dad. Wow. Or I was in that process, you know, mm-hmm. of, of accepting that. And then to have it all happen like that, um, and then, of course, I remembered what happened a few days earlier, how I was told to tell Vicky to get ready. And I thought it had something to do with the adoption. So then I start like freaking out, you know, like, oh, there there's God and he knows about all of this. And he told me about it already. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, this this is a big deal. You know, I'm going to be a dad. Here's my little girl. And then I just wanted to go on a plane and go get her. Yeah. Wow. What an awesome feeling. Yeah, it was great. And it's not really the easiest place to go either. It's about the farthest, the farthest you can fly. Takes uh, <laughs> two days. Takes but... almost two days to get there. Yeah. Wow. So where? So because I don't even know, I should look up on a map. But where is Nepal? It's, it's in... northeast of India, between India and China. Yeah. It's kind of uh-huh. slipped right in there. It's it's not a very big country. No. And wow. 20, Twenty-eight million people. And so, oh my gosh. Was she in what was she in a foster home at the time? Was she in an orphanage? She was what, in an orphanage. She was in a small orphanage. There okay. was just um like a, a few, like a handful of um little um babies there. And there were some older kids that I don't think were necessarily up for adoption, but there was um we were able to meet most of the other families when we were over there and so we're able to stay in contact with some of the other families who adopted some of the other children at that time. Um, which is really great. Well, the day we were to leave, um, so that was August 4th. We got up August 4th and we were all, you know, we were finishing up, packing up. We had like six suitcases. We were going to load them into the truck. And again, about nine o'clock in the morning, we got a phone call from our agency that said, hey, you might want to reconsider going to Nepal. Oh, no. And we, we were like, what? We leave in, <laughs> we leave in three hours. Oh, my gosh. And they're like, yeah, something's going on over there. You might not want to go. And we, I didn't even know, we didn't even know what it meant. And we asked asked them what it meant. And they said they didn't know what it meant. They said, something's going on. That's all we can tell you. And we feel as though we need to tell you that you might want to reconsider. And that was it. We hung up the phone and we looked at each other and we were like, what, what do we do? And I remember we both dropped to our knees right there at the side of the bed and we prayed about it that was it and we we did that we, we just kind of put it out there and we both felt that we were supposed to go so we just went yeah wow having no idea what was going on <laughs> yeah that is that is crazy so initially when you left like what was, what did they tell you or what were your, what were you thinking like in terms of how long you needed to stay, what you were um, going to do, it, like yeah, all of that? It was about a, a, month. a month. Like they had, you know, a process set out that was, you know, we'd planned to be there a month. Was we the were scheduled to get process. home on, we were scheduled to get home on September 5th. Okay. We left so right on a August month 4th. later. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then that's not what happened. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I just say what actually happened. <laughs> we arrived um, again in the morning on the sixth. Actually, so you leave on the fourth. You get there on the sixth. You lose. We didn't have August fifth, two thousand ten. That was not a day for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we land on the sixth. We get. We got to the embassy around nine o'clock again in the morning, and they pulled us aside and she took us outside. Remember mm-hmm. that? Yep. We went outside. It was a beautiful day. And we were sitting underneath this awning in these chairs. And this lady basically told us that our adoption was not going to happen, um, that the United States had changed its policies the week before. Um, regarding adoption Um, and essentially what they had done was put the burden of proof regarding what the United States considers an orphan Mm -hmm. on the families that were already in the pipeline to adopt these children there are 86 of them Um, and so instead of you know like all of that work occurring um, before uh, you even get matched, which is what's typical. You know, the country does this and everybody's, it's okay with everybody. And then you're like, okay, here's your child. You can come and get your child. Um, the United States changed its policy and basically said, we don't know if these children are orphans. Now you need to prove to us that they are. So, oh, so we had to hire lawyers and investigators and every family has a different story. Some of our friends there, you know, did a lot of the work themselves. Um, they hired other well, people. Well, they shut, they shut yeah. down adoptions for yeah. one thing. They said there's a, there's a pipeline of families that have been matched. There were 86 families. Um, 32 of those families um, dropped out. So it was down to 54 families. And then 54 families over the course of like eight months, the next eight months, got stuck in this pipeline where the burden of proof was on them based on the United States standards to prove that their children their all their children were orphans which which everyone who did stay in and fought for did get their kids Every, everyone everyone was able to do yep. that wow which is, which is amazing and the thing just so thankful well it's amazing on one hand it's frustrating on the well, other right. because yeah. no one no one was found to have a, a child that wasn't an orphan well there was just that you, we got to be so close we were i ended up being there for six months and so these became your family and there was always this fear of like, you know, one by one, slowly people were getting their approvals to go home. And then, you know, you're thinking when it's my turn, I'm going to leave and there's going to be still families waiting. And what if they don't get to bring their kids home? There was like this joy, but also like, you know, this fear because you everybody became part of your family and you just wanted everyone to be able to bring their kids home. Well, and that wasn't even until like five to five and a half months. Yeah. So the worst, the worst part of the whole thing, honestly, was that we were being told, you know, there were dozens of meetings. I can't even tell you what all happened it was it was very it was hard and they kept telling us the embassy kept telling us that you know this probably wasn't going to happen it could take two years it could take five years or you could get to the end of five years and then be completely denied any sort of visa to bring your daughter well, home before we came home i was actually in the process of looking at apartments to rent to stay there we were just going to live in yeah. nepal yeah. So and what wow. was your what was your game plan with that? Like, I'm so curious. What, what, did you have a timeline? Like, we're gonna stay here for X amount of no, years. I was gonna stay there. No, we were just gonna live there. You were not, just gonna do it. Gonna, I mean, you know, we were in a position. I mean, some of the other families had a situation where they obviously had other children at home. You know, yeah. so that 
gave a whole different element. Like now that we have two kids, I can't even imagine that. Uh, but this is like, this is our girl. Like I'm staying here. This <laughs> like, is our daughter. Is... Like we're just going to get rid of everything here. Well, and we started I mean, to. We... we did. We we went through a crazy process. The, essentially, the ambassador, the U.S. ambassador to Nepal looked at my face when I asked him what I should do. Earlier on, he said, you should take her back to the orphanage and go home. Oh, my gosh. And I said, I can't. That, no. That's not even an option. Well, as you're holding her. <laughs> she was in my arms. I, I was holding her. I, and I said, that, that, that's not on the table. That's not a possibility. Yeah. No, we were, yeah. we were committed to... We were committed to see it through to the end, whatever that end was. Like, there really was no options. I mean, before we left in August, I was a workaholic that thought I might not ever have kids. And the second she got in my arms, it was like, you can sell the whole business. I may never live in Illinois again. <laughs> you know, like, it was like, everything changed. Like, I'm a mom. Like, I, I'm willing to give all this other stuff up. In fact, I had already, I had started to actually photograph in Nepal. I had bought the website, the Gallery Nepal. Like, I was, like, mentally preparing for what am I going to do for income if I live here. Wow. I, I'm, that's so amazing. I'm completely, like, Carrie, I, like, don't even have words for that. I, mean, <laughs> I don't even know. That's so, but you know what? That's so amazing what you said about being a mom, because I think that that is, like, the most literal example I've ever heard of it but it's true it changes your life in a heartbeat and you're just like okay well that's like you said not on the table we're gonna stay here and the crazy thing like because people still ask us about it um you know not as much as probably obviously those first few years we were home and I don't know a lot of people understand this and I don't even know how to put it into words um it was so I know it was traumatic not just for me it was more traumatic for Jed because he had to come home without me or our daughter. Um, so when people would feel like, oh, I feel so bad for you being stuck over there, I really, it was it was worse for Jed. Like I had Nima, you know, at least he was at home not knowing if and when we were coming home. And he was the one, you know, holding down the fort, dealing with all the crazy things happening here with, you know, I mean, it was financially like catastrophic for us so I mean he was the one you know having to let employees go and figuring out how we were going to keep you know affording affording this I mean we had so many people jump on board um you know praying for us financially helped us out um it almost broke us yeah I mean it's, yeah. It, but, but and, and like mentally yeah and, and emotionally it was, it was obviously hard on our marriage um and, yeah. you know it's one of those things though now that we're on the other side of it I mean it's always like you can see it differently. We're home. We have our daughter, but we're on the other side of it and looking back and I wouldn't change it. Like, you know, I, I, I don't know what would have happened, but honestly, I believe had we, um, had we gone over there, picked up our daughter, stayed a month, come back home, I would have come home in the middle of our busy season and just been the workaholic I was before. Mm -hmm. And I look at it that it was such a gift to me that for six months, I, was with my daughter. I mean, she literally was on a backpack on my back and I had a camera in my front and we were just connected at the hip for six months. And that was such a blessing, um, you know, looking back now to see that. Vicky and Nima have a very special connection. It's, it's, it's apparent, it's evident. And I, and I attribute it to those, those first six months in particular, because they were together 24 seven, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like it, like, it's 
not necessarily what you wanted or that you had planned no. No, by no. any means, no. but no. it's what it's what you guys needed. It's like what the connection so. that you needed to have, you know. So I think it's mm-hmm. you know, it, it always happens that way where it's like, Oh, here's how it's gonna go, this is my right. plan and right. then it gets totally screwed up. <laughs> You're like, No, this is not this isn't yeah. but then when you come through it, like you said, I think that's the most important thing. It's like I wouldn't change it. Like yep. it was not easy, but nothing that's great is easy ever. For right. sure. Yep. Agreed. So I think that's like so crazy. I mean, you guys have like, you know, I mean, I know like how successful photographers that you guys are, but I don't know if like if people don't realize like you guys have had a crazy, like busy business, you know, like huge in the photography world and that kind of thing. And to just, you know, be, disconnected from it for six months is like insane well we had nine employees yeah yeah it was a good it was a good sized photo business back in back in those days yeah what what do you think is like what do you think was your the thing that like looking back on it like what is the thing that you feel like you learned the most or that was the biggest lesson that came out of the whole thing I think I learned that all the stuff that I cared about so much, um, I mean, it was interesting because at the beginning of June 2010, I had all these things that mattered to me um, and that were like at the forefront of my thinking. And I, it, it was that very first week that I was there with that little girl um, when I when I really was settling into becoming a dad with this, with this little person that none of that stuff mattered anymore. Not, I mean, not even a little bit. Mm -hmm. In fact, I was kind of annoyed by it. (laughs) (laughs) I was kind of upset about it. And that, and for me, that's why at that point it just became, you know, over the course of those months as things were not going well, that, well, if, if, if we're going to say goodbye to all that stuff and, and move to Nepal, then so be it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. So how did I think, Oh, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say for me, very similar, but also just, I think it was this realization um, or almost even now I have an expectation in life in a good way that things aren't going to go how I planned. Like, like I'm almost more expecting, like, and and I'm not saying that negatively, like, I hold on to things loosely in a good way. So, you know, just even our move from Illinois to Minnesota, you know, we built this dream house and the fact that we were able to leave our studio and our house and have this time in Minnesota, which I hold very precious. We love that up there. Um, And then even to leave Minnesota, come back to Illinois to move into this bowling alley, you know, like we're just, um, I feel like it's made us a lot more open and flexible to kind of what plans God has for us and what things might get thrown our way. And I try not to, stay so kind of hard nosed to what my plan is and how I want things to go. I hold on loosely now. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. No, I think that's a great, a great thing to think about, like with everything in life. And Jed, I'm curious, like six months is a long time to like not have your wife, to not have the child that you have, you know, so been looking forward to meeting and got to spend a little bit of time with, like, how did you power through six months of like not knowing how it was all going to go down. Well, at the beginning I used wine. 
And that didn't work out so well. No, no. I honestly, this this is like a confession, I guess. But in September of 2010, I was half in the bag the majority of the month. Oh wow! And oh, I, I don't blame you. I mean, that's I had like, to, yeah, I had to stop. I I actually had to. I I was talking to my friends and I said, "Listen, um, I'm by myself here in this big house, and I have all this stuff that once again I had like." all kinds of audio equipment and home theater stuff and video games. And like, I had all the stuff that I had always wanted. Right. And I hated it. I hated all of it. Um, and just the numb from the agony of, of not seeing my wife and daughter and not knowing if they were ever going to be able to come home. And then all the stress of all the other stuff on top of that, I numbed with wine. And by the end of the month, I, I, I said, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> like, this is not, this is not helping. This is going worse. And so I had to like get off the sauce completely because it was a mess. But that's how I did it initially. Um, and then after that, it was a matter of, you know, I had some, I had some really good friendships. Uh, then with some, I had a, my, my best friend would come over and just sit with me. I felt like Job in a sense. You know, where his friends just come over and they just sit with him <laughs> and, you know, at the, and they just sit there and, and just their presence there was so important, I think. And that's how it was with me. He would say, I don't know what to say to you. And, and I said, I remember I'd say, you don't, there's nothing to say, just you being here and sitting with me. And sometimes we would watch football and sometimes we would just stare at the sky and and there there was like very little conversation so much, but just him being there really helped me through that process. I'll never forget it. Well, and I think that just yeah, support and community and people and family. I mean, actually, one part of the story we didn't tell was that um, you know as things were kind of falling apart back home with the business. I mean, we left in August. I I mean, like the majority of our income for the business happens in the fall. So basically, we left and I was stuck in Nepal without being able to, I was the only shooter at the time we had someone else shooting for us, but he had left. And so um, there was no way to bring in income. Like our business wasn't set up to bring in income at that point. Now, thankfully, Jed had started working for White House. So um, we are so grateful of the timing of that. So he had that job, but the studio piece was really a struggle that we made the decision that I was going to come home. So I was going to leave, um, leave Nepal. And it's amazing to me, Jed, and then my mom and dad took turns. They flew over and babysat in Nepal. They took Whoa. the crazy flight. They stayed in Nepal in this foreign country. Um, my mom went watching, over there by herself. Yeah, watching this little baby. Oh my, my dad gosh. couldn't go because of work. My and, mom went over there by herself. I don't think, I mean, my mom doesn't travel to Tennessee very wow. much. So, so, I mean, it was one of those things that I was able to come home and did a conference, photographed, I think, 52 sessions. Um yeah, spoke at a conference and like, basically did all that work and then flew back to Nepal. And so then other everyone else was able to like edit the images, sell to the clients. We actually even had a couple of photographer friends come from Kansas City and Chicago that shot sessions for us and gave us the files and, you know, let us sell those for the money, you know, to service our clients. So I think just having people who loved us and were supporting us and helping, you know, in any way they could was just awesome. It was just amazing. Yeah. And I'm sure, I'm sure just people being like those, all those close friendships and relationships, like they're a part of your story. And I'm like, I'm sure how that 
you know, affected them too was like huge and a lot of change in, you know, other people's lives as well, because they're participating in well, your story. <laughs> well, and I think it freaks our daughter out a little bit sometimes because so many people know her, <laughs> you know, because of what we went through, like we'll go places and I mean, people just want to like hug her and like they know her and they, oh, Nima, and you're growing up and I remember when. And oh, she, if we go to a photography conference, she's like a little celebrity. Yeah, <laughs> but she doesn't know who any of these people are. <laughs> wow. I, I just have to say, you guys, I'm, I think you guys are so incredibly strong. And I know I'm sure at times you didn't feel like you were, but to get through something like that. And also you're so self-aware and I think you probably were like that before you began but going through that process I bet really made you even more self-aware and it's funny because Carrie and I always talk about the adoption process you have to be willing to let go of certain ideals or certain things that you really wanted or whatever you had something stuck in your mind like this is what it's going to be like and this is what I want but you guys literally let go of everything and I just I'm blown away by your story well and then the funny I shouldn't even say funny but like it affected us so much that it made us so um like when it came then to adopting again I think we waited longer than we would have (laughs) just because I was so nervous and hesitant and we knew we wanted another child but gosh what's gonna happen and I feel like it was a total gift from God because that process like was in Thailand and it went exactly how they said it was gonna go I mean, it, it like in Jed and I were the ones we were kind of, um, we would just every step of the process, we'd go, oh, what's going to happen? Oh, what's going to happen? You know, and not to be negative, but like we just assumed, you know, something wasn't going to go right. Something was going to, you know, not go our way. I mean, we even have a fond or a distinct memory of going to the embassy in Thailand. And I think we both were just sweating and nervous. And it just brought <laughs> back so many memories of like, what's going to happen? Oh, I had a trauma response. A trauma response. Like, we're not going to be able to bring him home. And like, we were the last family that they called up. Like, oh no, we're missing something. We were and, the last and one. And we were, called we up. were missing something. And we're like, oh, this is it. And it's like, oh, but we can do it for you. That's easy. They just, it just went so smooth and like clockwork. Um, you know, and of course their stories are different and they're different kids and, you know, he's got his own, you know, um, background and he's a little bit older and he was with the foster family where our daughter was in an orphanage. So it's just very, um, two very different stories and they both really were amazing, but it just, it's interesting. I think I really look at it as a gift. Like I don't. <laughs> well, and they're very, very different kids. They're obvious, you know, one's, one's a boy, one's a girl and he's all boy and she's oh, yeah. all girl. And they're very, very different temperaments and personalities, and they're best buddies. Oh, they are best friends. Aww. Best friends. Best friends. I well, and I, I'm curious, too, like, sorry, um, when, what, like, what happened um, on your daughter's adoption that you finally were able to come home, and, like, how did that yeah, how do you prove? Term- well, how do you prove that in Nepal? Like, well, it was it was it was all. I mean, so oh, that, this was all. So that's like, a good question. Well, according, by the way. according to Nepal, I mean, they would let us go home. Like this was on the U.S. side, not the Nepal side. Uh-huh. I mean, Nima was living with us in Nepal. You know, it wasn't like they weren't letting her leave the country or in Nepal. Uh, we were good on August yes. 10th. So so oh. it was all the U.S. So it was proving to the U.S. So we actually hired a lawyer out of Atlanta. Um, we hired an investigator that one of our other friends we from met New over Zealand. there. Yep. He was from New Zealand. Um, and like these people you just met because you were just, you're talking to the other families and they have this mm-hmm. connection and they're hiring this person and some families, like I said, I know, I think it was one of the moms, like she was 
she hired a Nepali lawyer, which we also worked with and was riding around Kathmandu on the back of his scooter, going to police stations and, and, you know, interviewing people. So you have to conduct your own investigation and go to all these different places and and jump through all these hoops. Basically, our report was like 150 pages. Wow. It was this huge folder of, you know, documented stuff and, and, you know, essentially sworn testimonies from all these people. Um, with photographs and, and essentially affidavits and all these things, right? Um, and and then, you, then you turn it in when they tell you you need to turn it in and it has to be just the way they say and then you wait. Well, and then like then, so that takes us to the point, Jed actually came over and surprised me early at Christmas. So he was over there the first month and then he, I was there. Then I came home in October for those couple of weeks and then he came back in December and he surprised me um, a couple days early, I didn't know he was coming. It was amazing. Aww. And, um, but like our goal was like, okay, like we're going to get to go home together. We want to go home together as a family. Like, you know, some of the other families by that time had gotten to go home. So we were just hoping and praying we would be one of them. And the time came for him to leave. And that was probably the hardest day as far as that whole process was like watching Jed leave again, like taking mm-hmm. him to the airport we still had, and not we knowing. Still hadn't been- Given the not ahead, knowing so. when we'd see him again, not knowing when we'd come home. I and, left again and they were there. But it was <laughs> amazing is that as he's in flight over the ocean, <laughs> I get the phone call that we get to go home. You're we get the visa. Kidding. But Jed is in flight over the ocean. We cannot tell Jed. Oh, and no. so I get online and I am like just asking everybody, like, does anyone have, you know, contact to, was it Delta or American Airlines? Like, I need to like get a message to Jed on this flight. And so there were all these people like, oh, my brother-in-law is a pilot there. Am I just, I'm going to try to make this work because we wanted him to like give him the message, you know, while he's in flight. So like people knew, but Jed didn't know. When he landed, Everybody knew. When he landed at the airport, he went to turn his phone on. And it was like, I was doing the flight tracker. So I'm like, I've got to call him as soon as he, you know, lands. But his phone just started blowing up. I so had like a thousand <laughs> notifications. Aww. So, but then we, yep, we came home. It was about, I don't know, was it 10 days? 10 I days started later. weeping. I, I looked and I saw the picture of the passport she sent me when I opened my phone. Oh, Wow. And I started weeping on the plane and all these people thought something was wrong. And they, you know, they were like, ask me if I was okay. And I said, you have no idea. Oh, wow. I mean, now I have to stop. I got to stop talking about that because I'm going to start bawling. <laughs> I think, Carrie, I think we need like a part two of, of this podcast because we haven't, we haven't even gotten to meeting the children yet. And that's like my favorite thing. So we, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> what do you think? We could do many, we could do many segments with them, for sure. <laughs> but, well, I think, well, I think on this one, we'll focus on this specific story because I think it's so impactful and so interesting and like, you know, gives you people hope maybe for, you know, stories that aren't complete yet as mm-hmm. well. Yep. You know, definitely. But um, I can't like. I don't know if I could have gotten back on the horse and done it again a second time. I agree. <laughs> yeah. It took us a little while. It took a couple of years. And and we went with a program that had a pretty, I mean, I was pretty particular. We we wanted to still be in Asia, but, you know, Thailand has a pretty long history of, of the program and being pretty stable. And Yeah, I bet um, you did good research. You know, there's no guarantees, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What agency did you use for Thailand? We used Holt. Ah, uh, and I know I have friends who've used Holt for yeah. um, and So they're China. a pretty big organization. They've been around a long time. We have friends our age that were adopted from Asia 
they were the adoptee, you know, um, mm. um, from Holt. I mean, so it, it was good. We, it was a good experience. Solid program. Yeah. yeah. There were great experiences, honestly, with both, both adoptions. Yeah. I remember when I was in like junior high, like high school, high school youth group, we would go to, um, conferences and Holt, and Holt would be like, Holt Ministries yeah. would be like the one that people would donate to for adoption and things like yeah. that. So I've heard yeah. of them. Yeah, no, they're forever. pretty big. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Do you, yeah. I have, I have a question and I don't want this to come off the wrong way, but do you guys ever think about what would have happened had you listened to the agency that called you when they called you that day that you were supposed to leave and said, we don't know what's going on, but maybe you shouldn't go. If you had stayed home, you probably never would have met your daughter, right? Yeah, I don't. It's um, funny. I don't think about that. I don't actually. think, you know, yeah. but I mean, I think, you know, I don't think about it, but I would like to think we still would have brought her home. We just would have been waiting in the U.S. and not in Nepal. And oh, some okay. people did Yeah, because that. that's what some, some people, because yeah, we were, we were one of we the, were at the very, very beginning of the families. And then other families who were following our adoption story saw that we were now stuck there, that they made the choice to wait. You know what I mean? We were at the US. very, oh, very front end. It uh, happened that day. She So she told us that morning that it happened the week before. But we found out later that it didn't even happen until later that afternoon. Yeah, it was it was kind of messy. They just knew it was going to happen. Oh, I but see. didn't know the details. So there was a lot of wires getting crossed and a lot of tales being told. Um, but it wasn't made official until about six hours later. Yeah. So the oh. families who waited here in the States, were they able to do all their research and everything from here? Like kind of yeah okay. like hire or hire people over right. there right i mean everybody's story honestly is different yeah so wow so i mean and, and and the program is still closed um we have some good friends who are still you know battling to you know in a, in a newer adoption to bring their daughter home so i mean there's definitely still um people fighting you know to help these kiddos who are who are stuck they're stuck over there still i mean there's, there's like a million orphans yeah. in Nepal. You know, an orphan wow. being, you know, not a million orphans who don't have families, but a million kids, you know, that's the stat, that that are in an orphanage because their families can't take care of them mm-hmm. or have chosen or they, or, they or, or they don't have them. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So um, there's definitely, definitely, it's a sad situation. Yeah, no doubt. For sure. Wow. And I didn't like, honestly, I didn't know that much about Nepal at all. So now I want to go look up a bunch of info about it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's where Mount Everest is. Um, so it's where, um, and it's a, I mean, it's a beautiful country. I mean, we were in Kathmandu, which is definitely like, you know, a polluted, overcrowded city. Um, unfortunately, as far as just different things that have happened politically that people have kind of been forced to like go into the city and it's doesn't have the structure to handle really all of that but um it's like in a valley but surrounded by amazing mountains and we actually started a fund that raises money that we help support five boys in a a different area of nepal that's more um you know remote and we were able to do a little bit of traveling when we were there um that to see more of the country but honestly it's on our list we're hoping in the next two years to do a big trip and take both kids back to nepal and thailand oh Oh, awesome Yeah, I was going to ask you if you had been back yet or if, you know, like Nima, if she was like excited to go. She's excited. Oh, no, they both. They both. uh, They both want to go back. So we're hoping, you know, um, to definitely take them both back. And some of the other families we adopted, but they've already been back at least once. You know, definitely some of the families have gone back there. And it was just it was only a couple of years ago that actually the huge earthquake happened in Nepal. I don't know if you remember Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Um, And so. 
yeah, we would love to love to get back over there. Wow. So I'm curious, what advice would you have for anybody <laughs> who is either wanting to adopt, but is kind of in the spot where they're waiting or they think it's never going to happen or, you know, it's kind of one of those things that you've kind of given up on, like what advice or kind of insight can you give to families who are in that position? Don't give up. Don't give up. Yeah. Don't do it. Don't give up. It's, 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 there's nothing that I can think of in my life. That's, that's been more worth it. Yeah. No, I think that's, I think that's amazing. Um, and I really appreciate you guys being so open and like candid and sharing your story. Yeah, absolutely. But like we said, we're not done because <laughs> I have other questions. <laughs> I want to talk more. <laughs> well, we definitely, definitely will have you guys on again for yeah. sure. Well, thanks for having us. Yeah, no, thank you for sharing. I think, um, you know, it's it's an eye-opening story that you would normally not hear. And that's why we love doing yeah. this podcast because we can give people you know, insight into things that they never would even know is a right. thing, you know, and like you said, each story is so unique and different. Like you can't make it up if you tried. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's really cool to hear your mindset about it too. You know, don't give up and just kind of stick with it and it'll be worth it in the end. And I think that that is always true. And it's really powerful to hear that though. I understand the desire to give up. I can promise you, I understand the desire to give up don't do it. Yeah. Just don't. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And I think that's the perfect note to kind of end this one on. So (laughs) definitely stay tuned for more episodes with Jed and Vicki. (laughs) (laughs) Because we will have, we will have some more. And I, again, I, we so appreciate you guys um, being on and sharing your story and, you know, answering all of kind of the questions that we had too. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you. All right. Thank you guys. Cool. Thank you guys. And thank you for listening. All right. Bye. Bye.